The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here. I'm the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW here in Las Vegas. The future stars of wrestling, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Hey, you are back from paradise, brother. Uh... As yeah, we talking, I got, I'm all red up here and everything. Yeah. As we we're talking uh, before we started here, uh, so you've had more uh, fruity drinks uh, than you've had in your whole life, huh? Yeah. More drinks. It was. It isn't just fruity drinks. It's more drinks. You know, I, for the last 20 years, I'm probably good for about two or three drinks a year. Do, is it one of those resorts where they like you're sitting there and then they just come around and hand you another one? Uh, they they could if you said hey every thirty minutes, because if you're laying by the pool, the guy comes around. Yeah. Uh, and any ex- no experiences that were uh, you know negative. There was was everything pretty much just uh, based in in the resort. Yeah, we went out one day to, like, the main area, which is, you know, obviously when you go to main areas of uh, countries that have a lot of tourists, you know, and, you know, everybody everybody's haggling for business. You got off the plane and you walk by and there's literally like a hundred taxi cab companies, you know, bang bang come here, come here, come here. And, you know, they're, they're all looking for business. And then when you go to that place, it was the same thing. You know, wow. you go to every shop and everybody everybody wants to try to get you in and sell you on the uh, the, the great merch that they have to offer. What, did you guys bite on any merch? Did you guys end up taking anything? Uh, yeah, I bought my wife some jewelry at a nice jewelry store. and It was a good deal. You know, but that was the thing. It was like they would, that was the deal. It was almost like it's like the timeshare thing. So you get a free ride to go shop on the main area, but you got to stop in their jewelry store for 45 (laughs) minutes. You have to sign a thing. Like you're left in the middle of nowhere if you try to bail. There's nowhere to go, you know, so you have to go through it. Wow. Well, that sounds like a wonderful uh, anniversary gift and anniversary trip. Uh, glad you uh, had a good time, got a little rested, are able to uh, get back to business now this week. Uh, as we're recording this uh, tomorrow uh, is um, the Mecca. Uh, oh, what is it? What do you call this one? Moment of Mo- truth. The moment of truth. Yes. Uh, so far, you know, you got a lot of. Uh, Interesting matchups, good good stuff going on. Uh, Vandergriff is defending the No Limits Championship against Danny Rose. Uh, you know, we saw last 
month what Ricky of the Suavecitos did against Matt. What, from being objective, and we know we joke about Danny, but what do you think that Danny can bring to this match that could give Matt Vandegrift a little run for his money? Well, you know, the, the aggressiveness that he brings to him, you also got to look at, you know, who Vandegrift has worked. You know, you, you, you have to hope that he doesn't take Danny lightly, per se. Yeah. And he's looking past Danny Rose because at the Mecca he's wrestling Kenny King. Right. So, you know, you have to, you know, be focused and keep your mindset. I, I don't see that as an issue with Vandegrift. You know, he is, you know, at a different level these days. Yeah. So, you know, every time he goes out there, he wants to have the best match on the show. And for a high octane, there's a, a good amount of uh, possible matches of the night. Right. Right. Um, before we talk about some of the other matches, with Danny Rose... Do you see him – can his temper get in the way of him achieving higher things? You know, can it be the situation where with his short fuse that, you know, he gets a disqualification or, you know, pulls off a low blow or something that, you know, just takes him out of what could be a very competitive match and, and an opportunity to win a championship. Well, frustration always sets in when you're a younger wrestler and you see a lot of wrestlers as they grow and, and, you know, start getting wins under their belts that a lot of times it's just young, dumb mistakes that cost them matches. So, you know, Danny's got to stay focused you know, Matt's going to be flying around from, from all cylinders. He's a bigger guy. Yeah. And for a guy who's way bigger than Danny, he should have the power advantage. But he's also a guy who who has that, that speed and agility and can com come at you at all angles. So yeah. Danny doesn't have Ricky to rely on, on this in this match. So... Yeah. If he gets frustrated, he can't just tag out and refocus. You know, I guess he could slide out of the ring, but how many times can you do that? You right. know, you, you, you need a break sometimes. So in the tag matches, and he's used to that. He hasn't had a lot of singles matches. So right. how is his endurance when Matt's flying around the ring and Danny's job is to kind of keep up with him? This is the first time a No Limits Championship is being defended against a mini wrestler. I, I believe Bodie had an opportunity. So, <laughs> um, and then you got the Nevada State Championship. Uh, Greg Sharp, man, Gregory Sharp has been looking good, uh, but he's now got a challenge in Damian Drake, and it looks like uh, you know Damian is kind of forgotten sometimes the the fact that he had a run of the no limits championship that was a solid run and you know kind of a, obviously ex champ tag team champion with matt vandergriff 
Um, and then he got hurt. And now he's been trying to reestablish himself for the last year in the big picture of being a champion again. Is this an opportunity for him to kind of put his name out there again on that level where either he wins the championship or at least puts himself in the, the position to get more opportunities to uh, pick up another title? Well, he's a guy that if you look at his career, you know, he's had really good matches with Funny Bone. He's had really good matches with Remy Marcel. He's had really good matches with Hammerstone. Damian Drake can beat anybody on any given day. You know, he, he beat Matt Vandergriff in, in a Ironman match. So there's no doubt that he's capable of pulling out the win. And if he does pull out the win, it, it's a huge win because right now, Gregory Sharp, he's considered by far the number one guy in in Vegas. Yeah. Even though I, I would put him at Vandegrift right there, but Gregory Sharp over the last year has really, you know, changed people's opinion of him. And he represents the Nevada State Championship. He's kind of a douche sometimes. And obviously that anger has, has helped him get those wins. But he is definitely at the top of his game. So that's like an under-the-radar top-level match. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, and with... You know, you kind of, you kind of mentioned in terms of Greg Sharp's attitude, his almost his sense of entitlement. Could this be a trap for Damian Drake, where uh, it ends up that Greg doesn't want to do much wrestling and he more wants to just kind of, you know beat the crap out of uh, Damien, maybe have a weapon or two lying around and doesn't – the champion's advantage of not caring if they get disqualified, could that come into play by having, you know, kendo sticks or other weapons around and just getting himself disqualified because Damien might be too much of a challenge for him? Well, you know, absolutely. Uh, Gregory Sharp – it took a long time for him to win a championship. So he is very possessive of that belt and he will do whatever it takes to make sure he doesn't lose the belt. He'll lose a match as long as he doesn't lose the belt. Right. So Damian Drake has to overcome that. Yeah. And pinning Gregory Sharp in the middle of the ring is something that nobody has done in, in, in a long while. And, and that's elsewhere. So, right. you know, it isn't just saying, hey, in FSW, if you go anywhere Gregory Sharp's been, he's been hugely successful. Right. Since he uh, shed the mask. And could this also be, you know, Greg looking past Damian Drake and potentially looking uh, towards Chris Bay or making a statement by trying to beat Damian Drake so badly that Chris Bay might think twice about wanting to get in the ring with him. Well, right now, you know, Sharp had a match with Davey Richards at the uh, full tilt weekend, and they went to a time limit draw. 
and yep. they are scheduled to wrestle. Now, they're still going to wrestle, you know, since we had a draw the first time. The question becomes, is it for the championship? And, you know, Gregory Sharp would love by the record books to have a Nevada State championship win against one of the best wrestlers in the world in Davey Richards. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there, there's a lot going on. Chris Bay, Damian Drake, Davey Richards. You know, there's numerous guys. Yeah. You know, who's to say uh, Gregory Sharp doesn't say, hey, I want to go all in. You know, Hammerstone, I want to match. Title versus title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it also shows how many uh, – how many people in that realm, you know, could potentially go after Gregory Sharp? Uh, you know, guys like Danny Limelight, uh, perfect example of, you know, guys from the outside, uh, you know, who aren't Vegas locals who could push a guy like Greg Sharp. Um, tag team championship match. You got uh, TBD, Hero, and Shogun are going to defend the titles against the Mason Dixon line. These guys are returning. It's been a long while. Um, and they're, they're much, much improved since anybody who saw them in FSW a few years back. Sure. As Silas sure. Mason has now been appearing in NWA. So yeah, they definitely are making a name for themselves in Tennessee. Which, yeah. you know, it's Tennessee. It's not saying a lot, but hey. <laughs> who they ever have other than Jerry Lawler, you know? Oh yeah, Jeff Jarrett, I guess too. Uh, Kane, you got to remember Glenn yeah. Jacobs, the mayor. The mayor there. Yes. So there we go. That there, there you go. There's Tennessee wrestling. Uh, that's the history. We finished it in 30 seconds. So, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what they bring uh, in terms of a challenge for Hero and Shogun. Who, you know, I think we've said it before. There's good competition in FSW in Vegas locally for tag teams, but there's also just kind of a limited amount of, you know, contending tag teams. So you end up cycling through these teams, you know, fairly often for you as a promoter, getting the opportunity to have a team like this come in and, um, you know, these guys are in town for, uh, you know, for a weekend uh, and have the opportunity to, to wrestle on Saturday night. Does that give you a little more flexibility to give the champions an opportunity to face guys who might be unfamiliar to them, a different style, uh, have more notoriety on the East coast or the Midwest or the South versus the West coast? What what does it do for you to have, you know, teams who happen to be coming into Vegas to get an opportunity to give Hero and Shogun a little more uh, of a diversity in defending the titles? Well, the, you know, Mason Dixon, especially with Silas, it's it's like Toa and Juicy. You know, these are big boys. You know, it's not going to be easy for Shogun and Hero, who two strong dudes. But throwing around Silas Mason's not going to be easy. 
So they got to step it up. You know, these guys were pretty good when they were here, and they are so much better than they than when they left. So it's a great opportunity for them to come in and, and shock the world. Yeah. Because Shogun and Hero, they probably might have been around a little bit when those guys were here. So unless they're paying a lot of attention, they may say, oh, yeah, I remember those guys. They were okay. They, they were pretty good, but they're not at our level. Well, they are at their level. And, again, sometimes you overlook things. So, you know, take into effect, effect that Silas is working NWA. We also have a, uh, another dude, uh, AJ Kazana, who's an NWA guy who's in town. And we're booked up, man. We got nine matches. So we're probably going to do a pre-show. It's like it's, it's very rare that we're going to have a, a really, really good guy in town with nothing to do and me not trying to get him on. You know, we like to offer to our fans new blood as often as possible. Uh, we also have that in the Sky High match, the regulators, EJ Sparks, and a guy, Jacob Austin Young, has a lot of good things to say about Thugnificent. So, again, fresh matchups, trying to, trying to give people different matches, especially when a lot of the local teams also wrestle elsewhere in town. Right. So now you got to, you know, check the matchups that are there. And if Suavecitos and Sky High or the faction and all these guys are all working each other somewhere else in town, I really have no interest in doing it here. Sure. You've already seen it. Why are you going to pay for it again? So we have Jordan Cruz coming back. We have Danny Limelight coming back. And, and these are guys that we're trying to get back on a more frequent basis because no offense to students, they're students. Danny Limelight's at a whole nother level. You know, Danny Limelight slides in and he's a top 10 guy in FSW immediately. Yeah. So if you have the opportunity to use him, especially at a high octane show at the arena, you're going to you're going to use that opportunity. And, yeah. you know, him and Jacob Austin Young is, is the match I'm looking forward to the most. You know, Jake just showed up at, at New Japan. Yeah. So it seems like uh, Danny Limelight wants to head to Jacob Austin Young's turf and maybe shake him up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you follow New Japan Wrestling, you know that Danny Limelight is uh, one of their bigger, you know, the, mouthpieces one of the bigger you know guys who in a in an organization that is built on you know discipline and pride and respect you know danny limelight likes to shake things up uh by you know throwing uh throwing his voice out there and is great at it and well yeah and just the promo he did on jacob boston young gets me fired up about the match it's like yeah. man this guy can really bang it out you know, 40 seconds, he doesn't go long, you know, you you want to learn how to do a promo, you know, watch Danny Limelight. Guys ramble on, they kind of stutter. I, I, I understand that it's not an easy process, but compact everything. Yeah. 
when we had Max Dupree, Sean Ricker, we immediately knew that this guy was something special because he was spontaneous. It could be pre, you know, it could be a, a pre promo that we talked about, or he can go off the cuff and he is smooth as smooth can be. We talk about wrestlers being smooth. And I was talking about how, you know, I was really surprised at Future Shock. Uh, I guess it's Angel Celestial, who's got a little experience in Mexico. And he came in in that four-way, and he really shined because he was very smooth. And a lot of people took notice of that. And yeah. when you're doing a promo and you do that, man, people are going to pay attention to you. When the limelight was here the last time, I wanted to see him and Jay Vidal, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, with Jay being gone and Limelight, we were running a few of the, the anniversary show. Another show was running the same day as uh, as New Japan in, in L.A. So right. we didn't have the opportunity to use some of those guys that we would have definitely would have used at the anniversary or at uh, the last one we did, Survival of the Fittest, as well as, you know, moving forward. You know, I just found word on November 20th at Against All Odds, New Japan's also running again. So we got a pretty good rumble, but we really would have uh, enjoyed having other guys like Tom Lawler and Tito and and Limelight and Bateman. You know, the sky's the limit on the guys we could have used there. Um, yeah, you need to start uh... – getting together with the front office there and uh you know planning out and being yeah like, it's that it's that sunday deal usually we're free when it's a sunday but that's right. when new japan continually runs their main shows now the wwe and AEW do a lot of saturday stuff yeah um jacob austin young obviously he's been around for you know a decade in fsw one of the things I think that, you know, kind of gets overlooked, you talk about Danny being such a good promo. Jacob Austin Young is like the most silent, deadly type of guy out there. He really is a great striker, and you kind of don't see it coming. Does that kind of throw Danny for, uh, uh, Limelight for uh, you know, almost a loop where – you have the flamboyancy and the showmanship against a guy who really, I mean, Jacob Austin Young is there to just basically kick your ass. Well, yeah, we, we saw him in Natural Born Killers, and I knew he had that background. I remember when I was talking with Cross, uh, he had mentioned using Jake, and it's like, bro, we only got so many spots, and I'm not thinking of Jake in that way. And right. then when the opportunity arose, it was like, oh, same thing with like Robbie Litt. You know, yeah. they, they, they have that background and they were very impressive in that situation. Similar to Eli Everfly, a guy who flies around, but man, he can, he can wrap you up in a pretzel. And yeah. same goes for Jacob Austin Young, who from day one was always studying Japanese stuff. You yeah. know, he would watch everything from, you know, New Japan and Noah and whatever it was, you know, that influence you could see is is in his style. 
which was always enjoyable because a lot of times people get caught in that indie rut of a lot of the move sets are, are pretty similar. And after a while, it becomes, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen this one before. Uh, that's good. While, while Jake is using stuff like the sling blade, when he started using it, Finn Balor used it, but Finn Balor was in Japan and very few people knew who he was. Right. So it was a very creative thing to a lot of the local fans on seeing some innovative offense that unless you watch Japanese wrestling, you probably hadn't seen. Right. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, I think that that match could very well just kind of steal the night away. Um, but I also am intrigued by Jordan Cruz versus Clutch. Um, you know, Jordan Cruz, I, I don't know how many people realize, but he actually had a uh, performance center tryout. Uh, it was the end of last year. It was December of last year. He's on the radar. And this seems like something that, you know, Clutch might be overlooking a guy like Jordan Cruz. And I think that Jordan gets the opportunity here. What does it mean to have a guy like that mix in with guys like Clutch who you know are trying to prove themselves uh, even though they are an established you know, part of FSW? Clutch has a lot of stuff that he still can achieve, especially on his own. Well, you know, it's it's a match where, you know, in a lot of situations you say, hey, this guy's working this guy. Oh, this is a really good match for a Nick Xander. Oh, this is a really good match for Brett the Threat. And in this match, it's a good match for both guys. Yeah. Clutch has been back. Jordan Cruz has had a lot of success everywhere, but not really here at FSW. You know, he struggled. He's picked up a couple of W's, but mainly he hasn't won very many matches. Right. So the frustration, plus the fact that in some cases he's working some scrambles and might have the, you know, you might be the, the highlight of that, that match, but you still don't get the win. So yeah. unless you're getting wins and piling up wins – Sometimes it's harder to pay attention to what's going on. You know, he's getting a one-on-one -on -one opportunity, and he's wrestling a guy who's had great success, traveled, you know, wrestled in China, wrestled in Japan, and tag team champion numerous times. So this is a big-time matchup. And for Clutch, he's wrestling a guy who – has really dominated United Wrestling and in, in San Diego area. So a win for these guys, it's kind of like watching the contender series. You know, you'd watch boxing and it was very rare. You would see like the number four guy fight the number five guy. It right. was like they, they, they didn't want to risk their spot. But these guys, you know, both have a lot to lose. And, you know, in some cases, you look at matches and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a good match for him. You know, he's got nothing to lose. You always right. hear that in, in, in all sports. He's got nothing to lose. You know, he's a heavy underdog. Right. Yeah. Um, when you, 
you know, when you look at all those matches, which, you know, you have a lot of talent there in the guys, but then you have a women's match with Rochelle Riveter and going against Johnny Robbie. And Johnny Robbie is, you know, she's pretty damn solid, man. I think that that's great to see her uh, getting a chance to, uh, you know, shine in front of the crowd. But Rochelle Riveter has proven that she's really game in, you know, establishing herself here in Vegas and and becoming uh, a threat for the women's championship. How do you see that match playing out on Saturday? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I've never seen Johnny Robbie, seen some clips, but I was, again, led by people who, you know, work with these people on different shows and she had reached out and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of people saying oh yeah you need to bring her in she's really good she's really good well we're, we're always looking to bring in good new talent and rochelle she does you know we got she got dropped on our lap yeah you know got a message hey i'm moving to vegas you know i, I wasn't aware of her your Colorado scene isn't like the biggest and the best, right? You know, there's some of the companies, Rocky Mountain Pro, that you heard of, but you don't really know. None of those, none of their people have really broken out, right? To where they're indie darlings all over the Southwest and West Coast. So it was a real pleasant surprise when she came in, and it was like, oh man, you know, she can really work. So. Now you're bringing in Johnny Robbie, and now the sometimes depleted women's division is sparked up again. Yeah. Because there is more than enough talent out there. You know, I'm not one that's like, oh, okay, she's a girl, you know, we're a woman, we're going to book her on the show, and she's not good enough to be on the show. Right. You know, she has to be equivalent if I'm going to put, especially with, even with the younger women that are training at at, at at FSW, if a guy's not ready for future shock, if she's not better than him, why is she getting a spot? You know, right. the spots are based on who's deserving and who's best. Not, hey, we're low on women talent, so let's just force her into a match before she's ready because... We need somebody, so we'll be able to slide her in. No, we right. want people to be ready because, again, they're, they're first impressions, you don't get a second impression. First time yep. you see somebody, they shit the bed. It's like, oh, you know, now it's going to take me a while. And we've had that situation of Future Shock where we gave a few opportunities and male, female, they weren't ready. So they didn't get to just be on the next future shot because they were on the one before. They had they had a shine. They had a they had to show everybody who was watching like, wow, that was really good. Because again, you're gonna have a lot of other students that you work with and you've trained with for months. And what are you gonna say? Oh, that was great. Right. And that's what they say. Right. But, you know, when you're going through it and Sin Bodhi or Kenny goes through the uh, the matches that week and he's going to give you a harsh critique, you know, he'll, he'll let you know what you're doing good, but he's going to emphasis on what you need to work on to become better. Yeah. Uh, and I think we, we covered most of the matches. What uh, what matches do 
we, we still have that I didn't uh, didn't mention. The MK Army is going to be represented. AJ Mana is going to go one on one with uh, the newest fan favorite of FSW, Jimmy Jack. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty interesting match. That could yeah. be a, a, an under the radar right there. Um, you know, J Jimmy Jack getting a lot of love. And the only other match is, is kind of more uh, lucha lucha based. We got Ricky G, we got Angel Celestial, and we got uh, the young prodigy Bodie in a, yeah. a three-way. So a triple threat match where you're going to be seeing, you know, you better, you better get those eyes focused, bring your glasses if you need them, because there's going to be a lot of flying around. Really should be an extremely fast-paced match. Yeah, it's a solid card uh, from top to bottom. A lot of great opportunities, too. Um, do you think that sometimes the sometimes the idea that it's at the arena kind of undercuts the actual uh, anticipation of how good a show can be to where either fans or talent themselves, uh, you know, kind of, blows it off a little bit and doesn't pay as much attention because it's not a casino show. Is that something that you run into with some of the high octanes? Oh, a hundred percent. It's like, even now it's the Mecca has been such a focus and, and tickets are moving very well front row. We're getting close to uh, capacity in that realm, but it's like, I have to, you know, explain to the kid. It was like I had gotten Limelight's promo last week. It's like, we need to air it. And I put it out. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I just did a Mecca spot. You know, you got to space it out on the social media. And it's like, yeah, I get that, Joey. But we have a show in three days. And Danny Limelight cut a great promo. Maybe it makes three or four or five people say, hey, shit, man. Jacob Austin Young and Danny Limelight, I was really interested. But that promo... No matter what, it's a great promo. You need yeah. to fit it in the scheduling to get that out there. Yeah, That's what you're hyping that match and that show. And it's easy to forget, hey, we got Mecca 8 on October 23rd. It's going to be a super show. Yeah, at the casino. But we also got a really good one with cheaper prices that are have solid West Coast talent that's going to be there. And the only thing that bothers me is, like I said, if I ran a company and nobody showed up and I did everything I could to get people there and I couldn't get people there, I would have never ran FSW if we couldn't draw at the swap meet and the first Silver Nuggets shows. Right. If I say, you know what, I can still do more. And you can always do more. I remember seeing somebody take flyers at Thomas and Mac and throw them in a garbage can when we were handing them out for a show. Of course, I didn't use the dude again. But the thing was, if my business is going to fail, I'm not going to rely on students who just want to get on a wrestling show to decide whether or not my company is going to succeed. Right. I need to go out there. So when we first ran shows, 
I'd be on the, I'd have the, uh, the staple gun and put it on the, uh, the, the wooden telephone poles all over town. I would find the, the, the big ones that you can't staple and I'd have a lot of tape right. and I'd have a printer where I would get four eight by 11 pieces and have to tape them all. Like it was fucking work. And I went out there by myself and once in a while I had some people help. Great. But any event that was there, you know, I remember the first thing we did, it was uh, when AAA ran a show at the Orleans and we were ready to do like our first or second show. So this had to be like, you know, 2009. And I remember that we had people there and we handed out as many flyers as we could. And in, in those days, that's all you had. Like for our very first show, we had no footage. We couldn't do a raw commercial. So once we had the first show under the belt, then we had footage and then we started making commercials. And then we pay, you know, $400 a pop to be on Monday Night Raw. And we'd go on SmackDown and we'd do all that stuff. Because if somebody doesn't come to your show because they don't want to come to your show, maybe it's because my show isn't good enough. But if my show is good enough, maybe not enough people even know we have a show. And then that's why I created the FSW fan page. And it isn't just for anybody. Like, people try to invite people. No offense, but I want people who come to my show, not their friends who like wrestling who live in California. That's not my fan page. My fan page is for people who've actually bought tickets to come to the show. So I give them information. I may leak a spoiler or two beforehand. But if you're on the fan page, you fucking know when we have a show. But again, just because you have Facebook, we know these days and ages, a lot of people are frustrated with Facebook. They don't like it. They don't really go on there. So it's harder now more people are doing the instagram i don't do it joey and some people help with that you know jake on the twitter but it's always just trying to get out as much information as humanly possible because nowadays you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to be on the radio where people are going to turn the channel anyway if you're listening to a station i have sirius xm so i never listen to the radio Right. And nobody buys a newspaper anymore. And nobody really watches live TV. Now, I guess, you know, sure. Is it probably cost effective? No, because I've seen the newspapers cost more money now to advertise than they did when people actually bought newspapers. Right. Because they're trying to make up their thing. So a Las Vegas weekly is always an option because it's a free thing. People are always going to thumb through that, but they're fucking expensive and radio stations. I listen to sports radio when I do, but even with XM, I don't even really listen to it anymore. But when I did, that would be the only station I would never turn. So if I was watching, listening to sports radio, it went to a commercial. I'd hear all the commercials. Right. But if I'm listening to Comp or 94.1 or Paulie's old station, song ends, you don't like it, boom, you're the next song. Boom, the next song. Yeah. So social media, in a way, has been great because you don't have to spend as much money. But now there's a million companies that go out there, and that's all they do 
is try to get their the guys who wrestle. And that's why it irritates me sometimes because of a lot of our wrestlers. They all get booked on everybody else's show. And I would be more excited if I saw the other companies going out there and really pushing the social media, the flyers. There's shows that's come up and it's like, oh, shit, that was, oh, they have their show today. I didn't right. fucking know. And yeah. since a lot of our guys work there, it's like, for example, if you go to a Big Valley show and you see Sky High, you're always going to see Sky High and Fresco. They, they, they got their crew. Well, right. not everybody knows who FSW is. Transient town, a lot of new faces. Hey, they have a fundraiser like they had recently. And now all of a sudden... There's some young kid who comes to the show who'd never seen a local independent wrestling show. Right. Hey, Sky High. Wow, man, you guys are awesome. Man, when's the next show here? Oh, I don't know. But on Saturday, I'm at FSW. And we got this big show. And Carlito and Chris Masters and Davey Richards. You watch AEW? Oh, yeah, I love AEW. Yeah, we got Brian Cage, and we got this. Now you've made a new fan. Not a new fan just for this company, because we have made a lot of new fans for the other companies. Right. So it would be great if they also were bringing in all these new fans, because good wrestling is good wrestling. If they're going to spend money to see an independent wrestling show, and they see ours that's stacked, I can't believe they wouldn't come to ours. Yeah. So it becomes a really difficult process because my fan page is the same people over and over and over. There's a lot of things to do in Vegas. The, the, the casino shows set us apart from everybody else in town. That's the big show. But for two years, we didn't have that big show. So it brought us, you know down to the to, to the other shows in town right because everybody was running you know hey we're only allowed to do 50 people right. or you know we're squeezing 80 people so it it didn't make us special at all and that's why when we first came back we did the two night anniversary show and the first night was slammed you yeah. know we we had front rows sold out you know, a month before the show because people were excited finally getting to go, you know, to the version, which they had never been to. Most people they ever had at their fucking place. But it was food. It was drink. It was the atmosphere that the FSW arena can never give you. Right. The other places don't have the that that ambiance of running in a casino. You know, now they have, you know, the, the Tom guy with the UWW, the women's stuff. High prices, not promoted enough. First thing I, I see on it, you know, huge budget. So send some of that money to getting the word out there. Right. Because there's a lot of other options of what you can do. Like I, I saw in the Mecca, I didn't even know it's the Las Vegas Festival is happening that weekend and i i saw you know my chemical romance was playing and a whole bunch of other bands 
I was like, oh, shit. You know, I, I always look out. I'm not running EDC weekend anymore. I'm not running, you know, we used to always try to like, okay, the, the Golden Knights are in the playoffs and they can put the schedule out a couple weeks in advance. We'll do the Friday because they're doing a Saturday because right. we did see their first couple of years that affected us. So we try to make sure we're not running against Life is Beautiful. We're making sure we don't run against the biggest events that are happening. NASCAR, try to avoid it. If we do run, we run, you know, a much smaller show because we want to maximize fans because our loyal fan base is what provides us with the base. Sure. And then we take advantage. Okay, AW is running. Uh, a Wednesday, a Friday, a Sunday. Okay, we could slide in there. There's going to be a lot of wrestling fans in town. If WrestleMania ever comes to Las Vegas, which you imagine it would with a legion, yeah. we did that, you know, Money in the Bank weekend is running. We did it SummerSlam when they did it, and we ran, and GCW ran, and both shows were packed. So, you know, we got we got to finesse better next uh, year for the AEW weekend because us and Revolver, I personally believe we had the best show, but we ran against Rampage. We weren't going to win. We're not right. winning that battle. GCW would have done really well that in that spot, but they would never, not nearly done as well as they did. Saturday night, that was the best. That was the best spot for the entire weekend yeah. because earlier that day, Revolver ran and they did okay. They didn't do great. Why? Because they had the meet and greets and the signings at AEW that day. Right. So you know, it's it's being aware of everything that's going on, and and you can't always figure it out and be right and say, ah, oh, shit, I wouldn't have ran this date because of. So, you know, you try to do your best, but it, 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 it's crazy. There's so much going on. So you got to kind of make sure you're at least aware and, and pull up the Google and say, hey, which I do. It's like, hey, when's EDC this year? Oh, okay. You know, we're five months away. We'll already know not to take that date. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about Mecca, obviously, for the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, but I wanted to, as we're kind of wrapping up here, to uh, to go back in the archives and touch on something. Uh, because you made a post uh, earlier about a show that happened 10 years ago. Uh, on October 20th, 2012, the highway to hell. What are your memories of that particular show uh, where you had the big casket match between Alcatraz and Tyson Prince, uh, you know, as one of the highlights on the show? Uh, but you also at that time had a tag team champion uh, team that was uh, – I guess went on to do something or another in these guys called the Young Bucks. Uh, they they defended against Hater Nation and the Suburban Commandos. What are your uh, recollections of that show now, ten years out? 
I was telling the story yesterday about the main event. When we did that show, I would just sit and watch it. We didn't do commentary till after the fact. And I remember watching it and thinking, because they had just come off their steel cage match. Right. Okay. And that was the biggest show in FSW history. We follow it up. Halloween time casket match. And I'm thinking, oh, this match kind of sucks. I don't know what it is about it. Wasn't digging it. And then we did commentary on it. And I'm like, this fucking match is fucking awesome. <laughs> so a little history. If you've seen the steel cage match, Alcatraz got fucked up when Tyshawn hit the Baldo bomb from, I believe, the second rope or the top rope. I guess it was the top rope, probably. And he fucked up his ribs or his lungs or, or some shit like that. And Alcatraz was fucked up. And Alcatraz loves Tyshawn Prince. But when they had the casket match, it was time for a little receipt. <laughs> and the receipt was turning Tyshawn Prince into the Pillsbury Doughboy. He used a fire extinguisher that basically looked like it was the ice storm at a Chicago Bear game. And Tyshawn Prince was like, it was like in Ghostbusters, I think. It was like, because he was all white. And Tyshawn almost threw up. He was choking because I think Alcatraz unloaded the entire fire extinguisher. Onto Tyshawn Prince <laughs> for fucking him up. But it was all done in love. There's a difference. Right. You know? Right. And uh, that was one of my favorite matches. It was later on watching it. Because, again, when you're watching it live and I'm doing stuff, I'm probably not paying attention to right. everything that's going on. So that's what happens. As for the Young Bucks... Uh, we ended up getting him for the school show, a high octane, earlier that month. And I'm like, you know, time to do a title change because we signed him for the second show also. And I think that was when they were coming off the Generation Me gimmick yeah. from TNA at the time. Yeah. And it was like, you know what? It'll make people think, oh, shit. This happened at the FSW arena, and this was the old arena that we could pack. And I wanted people to believe that anything could happen at any of these shows. Right. And now people will be like, fuck, the Young Bucks won the tag titles, and I didn't come to that show. Right. Fuck, John Moxley showed up at the FSW arena. I didn't come to that show. Yep. And you always want to try to do that because you don't want to be that traditional WWE house show that when they come to Vegas, Monday Night Raw has got 15,000 people. And then they run into Thomas and Mac, a house show six months later, and there's 1,500 people. Right. Because nobody cares. No, everybody knows there's no title changes. Nothing special is going to happen. And a lot of times the guys are not putting forth that effort that's going to be on TV. Right. So we want to make sure because we don't run that many shows. Some months we only run a high octane show. 
So we've done it in the past where we had, I remember, uh, Cross versus Eli Drake. And, you know, we built that up as a as a big event. And yeah. it was. And we've had other numerous big-time matches out of there that, you know, properly promoted packs the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh... – it's interesting looking back at the card too, uh, you know, seeing a lot of names, of course. Well, somebody asked me, do you happen to know? They were like, hey, who was the mystery fourth guy? I'm like, good question. I don't remember. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to have to go back on the uh, the FSW network and see if we can find the, uh, the event and uh, find out who the mystery guy was. Um, I just like, you know, uh, you had the – Elite champ Sean Ricker versus Remy Marcel. Uh, if let me ask you, if that match was run today, today's Remy Marcel versus today's Sean Ricker, how much better would that match be now, given the experience that both of those guys have behind themselves? Well, it would have to be better, but I don't know. Max Dupree hasn't done a lot of wrestling in in the last couple years in in WWE. I remember a Eli Drake Kenny King match at the Silverton that could go down as one of the worst matches in FSW history. So, uh, well, I guess then that brings up the other question: Would Remy Marcel make a good? Max Dupree uh, model in the uh, MMM uh, faction. I'm not sure he's got that baby face look that uh, Max Dupree is looking for. Um, and then, you know, uh, again, on that card, you had a lot of, uh, a lot of familiar names, uh, both past and, and currently present. Uh, but one of the intriguing ones was the, Career on the line match, uh, GG. What is it? S- severe versus GG Severe. Yes, agency versus Kid Vegas and Team Vegas. And was that the match that uh, Team Vegas lost, and, and Kid Vegas did have to leave Vegas? Uh, Kid Vegas had to leave FSW. Yes. Yeah. And then he came. And then came back uh, under a mask. In possibly the worst masked outfit in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, He came out as maniacal. And I swear they must have had one mask at the 99 cent store. And that was the mask that was bought. In my mind, I picture it again being like, oh, my goodness. Atrocious. And, and you know, you you said how good the casket match was when you wouldn't put commentary on. When you look at something like that, where you see you know a concept in your mind versus what you actually see on the screen or when you're actually calling it live, what does that do to you when you make the realization? But you still have to sell it because you're doing commentary. You try your best, but when you listen back, you could see the the tone is much more monotone and mellow. The 
there isn't really because again all the time it's usually some peaks and valleys obviously right. when you're you're doing the commentary and it's probably hard to find a peak <laughs> you know you might have a lot of lulls but it, it, you know it's, it's kind of flatlining if you know what i mean <laughs> oh man uh you know it, and back then it might have been as it was probably disco on commentary so sure sure you know a lot of people didn't care for disco on commentary because uh he was a little too truthful well i think isn't that the uh the thing that even with uh the podcasting that you know he just really is honest in in what he says and I think that gets him in a little bit of heat from people who probably already don't like him just because they'd never liked the character and they associate the character with him. And then, of course, you know, when you when you see him as a person, you know, Glenn's a really I think he's one of the better minds in wrestling. Um, and he's, you know, he's a pretty down to earth person um, for the most part. Love this guy. Yeah. I, is it is it surprising how that kind of that history of that character could follow you for 25 years later and still have people just kind of crapping on you because you were disco inferno he was a heel that people hated and he did nothing to make people want to try to like him at all and you don't see that a lot yeah and you know we had uh effie wrestle disco at the gcw show and it almost became we're a little nervous because it was kind of a twitter thing that people were pissed off like fuck disco this motherfucker you know and disco came out and he buried the gcw crowd and they hated his fucking guts and then Effie came out and he cut a great promo that was so pro the gcw crowd they loved him. And then at the end of the night, Effie beats Disco. The crowd goes crazy. That was one of the top matches fan reaction-wise on people, on somebody that everybody hated and couldn't believe they put him on the show. And the funny part is, as I've told the story, is Brett from GCW was the one pushing for the match. I was trying to get Jay Vidal versus Effie. Right. And we were going to do Disco versus, not even Disco versus, we were going to do like a Lava Lounge, and Disco was going to have on Ricky Morton because right. Ricky Morton worked the show the night before, but he had to go back to North Carolina for another show. So Disco wasn't even going to be used. And Brett was like, well, what about Disco and Effie? And I'm like, uh, are you sure? And it was like even later I said, uh, Jay, Jay Vidal told me that he was talking with Effie. And he has no knowledge that Brett was the one who pushed for the match. Like, he thinks it was me. <laughs> and it was like, I had nothing to do with it. And it turned out it was, you know, one of the, the funner matches on that show. And it, and it broke everything up. And, uh, and you didn't really – you didn't know much about Effie at that time either, did you, as, as an in-ring competitor? And you were pretty impressed with uh, what he did with Disco, who, you know, he they, – They had the exact match they needed to have. Yeah. yeah. So 
again, it isn't always about the move set and things that you do. In some cases, it is. And that's what made GCW so popular. It's like some sometimes you're going to see this fucking Ringo Loco high-flying, you know, match with somebody else who's going to kill it there. And then you go into the, the hardcore craziness. So there's something for everybody on that show. But yeah. it's a little more violent overall. So, you know, the success that they've had, it's crazy. They wrestled in England a couple weeks ago, came back to the States, and now they're in Japan. Like, you, you can't argue the success that they're having. You know, a lot yeah. of people don't like it. Oh, then don't watch it. A lot of people didn't like ECW. You know, there's a lot of different people. There's people now who don't like AEW. People hate Tony Khan. You know, another fight with Sammy Guevara. It's like, dude, I know from talking to people who do work there, it's an insane asylum. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it, the... um... The truth is, is that the inmates took over the asylum and there's no, there's no warden looking over it because the warden wants to be boys with the inmates, which I mean, that just, it doesn't, it doesn't balance from that perspective. uh, You know, what would, what do you do if you're in charge of a company and there is just, so much of this, you know, uh, backstage stuff just becoming the forefront of the stories. How do you get control of that? Well, I, you know, I've had numerous issues like that throughout the years. You know, there's been different things. People doing stuff without asking. You know, I remember we had uh, the Suavecitos and there was a girl who used to train with us. She stopped training and all of a sudden she comes out with them. Like, I'm waiting for when the match is over. Like, what the fuck you think you're doing, motherfuckers? You know, Adrian Quest is standing there because he was part of the Suavecitos at the time. And he was kind of like, oh, shit. And it's like, you have to let him know, like, I'm boys. I'll joke with you all day. But when it comes time for the for the business stuff, don't fucking make me look like a fucking jerk off. Yeah. Because it's it's easy for me to make you the fucking jerk off. If that's what you really want. It's like you do what I need you to do. If you can't do it, then you don't have to. But then it's nice knowing you. You know, yeah. we've had those issues with people who didn't feel that they got what they deserved or what they they felt that they should get out of FSW, so they chose not to work for FSW. That's right. their choice. Then there's guys that I didn't like the way they did business, and I chose not to work with them, which is my choice. You know, there, there, there's so much hostility in that. It, it, it's kind of crazy. It's like, this is the deal. If you don't like it, you try to negotiate for a better deal. I'm always open to what somebody thinks. And in a lot of cases, I'm pretty I'm pretty willing to give in if I see an inkling of their value that it's like, you know what? You're right. You, you put in the time. Hey, the dues will go down to this. Or you don't have to pay dues. Or, 
hey, it's time for you as a student to not pay dues and get paid. It's not a lot, but it's it's the thing. Because I know a lot of people, because that's how we kind of work it. Like most schools, I would imagine, you're yeah. paying your dues. Well, yeah. now you're starting to be involved in more stuff, so your dues are going to be dropping. And it's like, well, if you feel that you need the envelope, that's fine. But instead of not paying dues, I'm going to charge you a gym fee. And then I'll pay you at a school show, and I'll pay you a little more at a casino show. But I'll make out better on the deal because everybody doesn't work every show. So if you're a marginal guy just coming up, you know, you might get on a future shock. You might get on a high octane. But if we have three shows, you might only get on one. So now you're going to owe me money to train. Right. But some people like the idea of they get an envelope. Yeah. And to me, being doing this for years, that has nothing to do with how I feel somebody is worth. Right. But some people look at it that way. Right. Or some people, when they get behind... And then all of a sudden they forgot they didn't pay and then they're crying about wanting to get paid. Right. And it's like, yeah, you, you, you do remember those months that you, you miss payments. So let's add all that up and I don't owe you anything for your next 46 matches. <laughs> you is, know? That, is, that is. Suave, is that what the Suavecitos are on? 46? Uh, Danny, yeah, uh, uh, Ricky's only 31. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, any final thoughts as we uh, wrap up uh, this week? No, nah, man, we got a, we got a huge everything happening this month. This, this might be like the most things we're doing. Uh, a big octane on the 8th. We got the 23rd, obviously, Mecca 8. And then right week after, our, our annual Halloween show. So... Uh, we already have a lumberjack match booked. We have, of course, our gimmick battle royal, and we're working on a casket match. So it's going to be, as usual, a lot of fun for the fans. They love the gimmick battle royal. You know, as I stated last week, you know, it's a thing that I was trying to wash away, you know, all the copyright stuff, but the fans like it too much. And a lot of times the wrestlers, Boy, they, they, they dress up and they look like the real deal. So yeah. it's definitely uh, something to look forward to. And then a week later, we're going to be doing Future Shock on November 6th. Right. So we're literally running three weeks in a row and four out of five weeks. Yeah. And then we take one week off and then we have the uh, Against All Odds. Right. So after all that said and done, might be taking a little break in December. Yeah, I mean, you might need a little bit of a break, especially, you know, if you're uh, considering doing the uh, New Year's Eve show again, which, you know, there you go. Good show in the past. So um, that's always been a fun thing that, you know, we were thinking, hey, we'll get like 40, 50 people if we're lucky. And all of a sudden it was pretty packed. I was shocked the first year. It was like, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, they'd rather spend it with their FSW family. Sure. Well, in some cases, that's the better option. <laughs> um, yeah, some cases. <laughs> a lot you know, of cases. You, you just said something that I think, and I don't know how, I don't know if you could get it done, 
But if you're working on a casket match, I say 10-year anniversary match, and you get Alcatraz and Tyshawn yeah. to do the match. If you can convince Alcatraz, I'm in. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's start a campaign. Uh, anyone who wants to see Alcatraz back in the ring, I think this is the perfect match to get him back in. You work on Tyshawn, I'll work on Alcatraz. You know, I've gotten some messages from Tyshawn. He was starting to feel he was starting to feel it again. He said, and then I never saw him again. <laughs> I'm gonna come by. Okay, haven't seen him. Well, there we go. This is this is the mission. And if you're listening and uh, you run across either of them, uh, say we want to see an anniversary casket match uh, on the show coming up at the end of the month. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in again. Uh, please uh, check out uh, you know, when this is airing. Uh, it will probably be that night, uh, Saturday night, uh, high octane at the FSW Arena. Uh, it's the moment of truth. And it is a very stock card. Uh, and if you can't get down to the arena, again, FSW Network, just $6.99 a month. All right, everyone. Till then, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time.